Hello and welcome. My name is Kyle Nielsen, and this is How You Level Up, a podcast where I ask questions to help you become your best self. Today, we ask, what is intelligence? How does intelligence work? And how is intelligence measured? Many great scientists, researchers, and philosophers have thought about intelligence differently. Intelligence, though, as a whole, is the ability to learn new skills and apply them, recognize patterns, solve problems, and learn from experience. There are a few types of intelligence theories. The first intelligence theory we will look at is general intelligence theory. General intelligence was first described by British psychologist Charles Spearman. He said that intelligence could be tested, and noticed that those who performed well on one specific test would likely perform well on other tests. His conclusion was that intelligence is a general ability of our mind that can be measured and expressed numerically. Spearman said that there are two factors in intelligence. There is the G and S factor, with G being the general factor of intelligence and S being the specific ability that one person might have, like a unique intelligence. You might be thinking about the intelligence quotient test, or the IQ test. That was first created by Alfred Binet and his colleague Theodore Simon. This test included 30 questions and focused on attention, memory, and problem-solving skills. This test has limitations that Binet and Simon acknowledged, like that their test could not measure inborn intelligence because intelligence is complex and influenced by many factors, could change over time, and can only be compared in people with similar histories. Many years later, Stanford psychologist Louis Terman took the Binet-Simon test and expanded on it. This expansion changed the test from French to English, included a quotient scale, and was called the Stanford-Binet test. Then the U.S. Army adopted the test and split it into alpha and beta tests. These tests were for literate and illiterate English speakers, and these two tests were administered to find out which soldier would be suitable for which position in the military. As a side note, the military test today is called the ASVAB test, Armed Service Vocational Aptitude and Battery Test, and everyone receives the same test. So, after Stanford psychologist Lewis Terman adopted and changed Binet and Simon's test, then American psychologist David Wechsler took the Stanford Binet test and changed the test again to include a verbal comprehension perceptual reasoning, working memory, and processing speed. This is the common test we know of today as the IQ test. And even after all of these iterations, there are various debates surrounding the test. Though, as Binet first articulated, intelligence is complex and is influenced by many factors, Recent research has tried to identify these different forms of intelligence, and currently, there are quite a few. The second intelligence theory we will look at is unlike general intelligence, because psychologist Lewis Thurstone
believed that there are primary mental abilities, and he included seven in total. These seven were memory, which is the ability to quickly memorize, retain, and recall information, whether auditory, imagery, or tactile in short and long working memory. The second primary ability is numerical, which is the ability to resolve mathematical problems, compute numbers with ease, and the quantification of what might not appear to be something you can quantify. The third primary mental ability is perceptual speed, which is the ability to find differences and connections between concepts, objects, and stories. The fourth primary mental ability is reasoning, which is the ability to perceive general principles and their logical application. This reasoning applies to inductive reasoning, which is the ability to unpack a generalized principle from a concept, and deductive reasoning, which is the ability to unpack concepts from a generalized principle. The fifth primary mental ability is spatial, which is the ability to visualize distances and shapes in space, and solve puzzles and identify mirror images or rotated angles. The next primary ability is verbal, which is the ability to understand, identify, and apply words, sentences, and language for comprehension. And the last primary mental ability is word fluency, which is the ability to communicate and articulate isolated sentences, words, or concepts. Now, similarly to the primary mental abilities intelligence theory, the next intelligence theory is the multiple intelligence theory proposed by Howard Gardner. This one is a little bit more mainstream, though it does have its own twist compared to the primary mental abilities. To start with the ones that are similar to the primary mental abilities, these multiple intelligences include verbal linguistic intelligence, This is the ability to learn languages quickly, understand spoken and written language, and use language to accomplish certain things. So think of poets and writers or famous speakers in politics or other arenas. There is the visual-spatial intelligence, which is the ability to recognize and manipulate patterns in space, whether big or small, like people who work in architecture, construction, decorators, pilots, or drivers. There is the logical-mathematical intelligence, which is the ability to analyze problems, apply mathematical concepts, and investigate concepts scientifically. These are people who excel with the use of numbers, whether a mathematician, scientist, or analyst. And this is where we start to get a little bit different from the primary mental abilities. There is the interpersonal intelligence, which is the ability to understand emotions, motivations, and the intentions of others. We are all required to have some level of interpersonal intelligence if we want to work well with others, though there are some higher levels that might be great managers, teachers, psychologists, or could work in public relations. There is also intrapersonal intelligence, which is the ability to understand oneself in terms of the same things. Emotions, motivations, intentions, fears, and capabilities. Again, we must have some level of intrapersonal intelligence, though 
the people with higher levels of this might be entrepreneurs, theologians, therapists, and counselors. There is also musical intelligence, which is the ability to compose, perform, and identify musical patterns, like a singer, musician, or producer. There's the bodily kinesthetic intelligence, and this is the ability to know and manipulate one's own body or parts of the body to solve problems and create things, like athletes, dancers, neurosurgeons, painters, or craftsmen. And there is the naturalistic intelligence, which is the ability to recognize and classify plant, animal, and natural environments. People high in this intelligence are biologists, geologists, astronomers, and botanists. So after naming these eight different types of intelligences, only then did Gardner think of the ninth intelligence, which is existential intelligence. This is the ability to think abstractly, like with metacognition, which is thinking about your thoughts. It's the capacity to challenge conventional thinking, the ability to reflect and debate on major human topics like love, death, quality of existence, or good and evil. You can tell Gardner's nine different intelligences are similar to Thurstone's seven different primary mental abilities, like how the mathematical logical intelligence is similar to the numerical and reasoning abilities, or the visual-spatial intelligence is similar to the spatial-mental ability, or the interpersonal and intrapersonal and verbal-linguistic intelligence are similar to the verbal and word-fluency ability. And the last intelligence, the fourth intelligence theory that we will look at, is the triarchic approach to intelligence, proposed by psychologist Robert Stemberg who said that intelligence is the mental activity directed towards purposeful adaptation, selection, and shaping of real-world environments related to one's life. In this, he said successful intelligence is 1. Analytical intelligence, which is evaluating information and solving problems. 2. Creative intelligence, which is the creation and adoption of new ideas. And 3. Practical intelligence which is the ability to adapt to changing environments. These different theories of intelligence all sound quote-unquote correct when looked at from different perspectives. And in recent years, there's even been an emphasis on emotional intelligence, also called emotional quotient, or EQ, as a nod to IQ. This pertains to emotions in yourself and in others. EQ is the ability to recognize, articulate, acknowledge, and manage emotions. Psychologists Peter Salovey and John Mayer first proposed EQ as its own intelligence because of the five distinct and essential aspects of EQ, which are self-motivation, emotional self-awareness, emotional self-control, empathy, and social skills. Is this a combination of interpersonal, intrapersonal, verbal, linguistic, and bodily kinesthetic intelligence? Yeah, one might argue such a case. Regardless of the argument proposed, though, EQ sounds like an extremely valuable intelligence to cultivate and improve if you are going to work effectively with others, and if you're going to work effectively 
throughout your life. So perhaps the most important and prudent thing to ask might be, if there are so many different ways of looking at intelligence, what bits from each of these perspectives are applicable to my life? Or, now knowing more about the different considerations for intelligence, how might I seek to improve and continue to grow upon the intelligence I already have and apply? Thinking of standardized tests, then, surely they are helpful. So at what point do they become harmful? Measuring the ability of a monkey to climb a tree versus a dog will not tell you that one is smarter than the other. There needs to be multiple measurements in multiple arenas to be sure that the monkey is smarter than the dog. If we consider EQ and IQ for a brief moment, these seem like valuable measurements, valuable quotients. So what else can be measured? Some leading thinkers believe that in addition to IQ and EQ, there is also a social quotient, a creative quotient, and an adversity quotient. The social quotient is the ability to make friends, build a network, and maintain that network over a period of time. The creative quotient is what you might expect. CQ is the ability to generate, create, and anticipate new things. And the adversity quotient is your ability to handle and adapt to difficult or challenging situations and times. So which of the quotients, which of these intelligences, do you want to build? For which intelligence do you think you are on a high level? For which measurement of intelligence do you want to reinforce? What type of intelligence do you apply in your day-to-day? And what type of intelligence would you want to explore if you had more time? Thank you for listening to another episode. If you're enjoying the show, open up the app you're listening to this on and hit the like or subscribe button and give a five-star rating. At least twice a week, you'll find a new episode asking you a new question so you can strengthen your emotional independence, improve your communication skills, and upgrade your personal philosophy. So if there's a question you'd like me to dive into next, send it to any of these social media accounts connected in the show notes here. This is all about how you level up.